Mark eleven twenty three says this. It says to speak to your mountain. You believe in your heart, but you speak. You're supposed to speak to your mountain. So many Christians go to God with their problem. And I understand that. But this is how God wants to deal with your mountain, all right? For surely I say to you, whosoever says to this mountain. What does mountain represent? It could be a mountain of sickness, a mountain of poverty, a mountain of relationship. Whatever your problem is, that's the mountain. It says, whoever shall, says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart. But he believes that those things that he says... They will be done. What, it, what says? That he says to the mountain. You need to believe what you say to your mountain. Your mountain is going to obey you. Because it's not you speaking to the mountain. It's Christ in you that speaks to the mountain. So that's why you have to believe that your words are powerful because of Jesus, not because of you. So believe that. So speak to sickness. And listen, this is what, when I hurt my back over the Christmas holiday, you know, it, 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 just, it was not the same that when I, I've spoken to my knees, I've spoken to things on my body. In the last two years, I have just been just almost every week, hit the play button and uh, speak to my body. I thought, what in the world? But when I hurt my back, nothing changed the first day, nothing changed the second day, actually the Third day, uh, it got worse. Melody took me to the emergency care, whatever that place is, and I couldn't walk to the place. She parked the car, and you know, it's the first time ever I had to take the the, the on ramp. What is it called? <laughs> Handicap. I was in the military, so it's all about aircraft. It was the on ramp. I was. Anyway, I had to go up that and holding on to the rail and everything. People, you know, a person walked down, and I, I know that I thought, what do they think, man? I mean, just what do they think? Oh, look at that poor little old man. He can't even walk. <laughs> Hope I see him again. I thought, <laughs> anyway, I got to the elevator. We went up. Thank God for elevators. And I was just in so much pain. Every th- time I was speaking, nothing was happening. Nothing was changing. So guess what I did? I quit, I quit speaking. Four days, five days. Christmas Eve, for those who were here on Christmas Eve, that's the most pain I've ever been in when I've preached before in my life. Danielle said she took pictures of all of our family and everything. She said, Dad, I couldn't even use the pictures. You were up there going, <laughs> grimacing while she, she knew that I was in pain. And, but I was speaking the whole time, man, speaking the whole time. I mean, not speaking. I quit speaking. And so that was after five days, and the Lord just reminded me, the Spirit of God in me, just let me say that, that you need to continually speak. You have to, you cannot let the devil, not let your body, let the pain, not let the circumstance tell you that it's not working, just stop it. Man, that's when you just need to double your dosage. You know, it's kind of like when you get sick. Oh, you take an antibiotic, it didn't work, so I'm going to quit. No. That's what you keep taking it. And then if you call the doctor, he may say, hey, double the dosage. You know, you double it. So you can, the great thing about speaking, you can't OD on this stuff. 
Man, I have spoken a hundred times. I tell you what, I mean, it was, it was probably about 10 days it started, I, it started getting livable. But that's better than being bedridden for months or whatever. My point is this. Do not let your circumstance tell you it's not working. You be faithful in speaking the word, and the word will be faithful to do what it was accomplished to do, sent to do. It will. It absolutely will. There's times that I've spoken hundreds of times in one day. Hundreds. And your brain just has a disconnect because it's, your brain will tell you, you know, this is so stupid. This is really stupid. I wish you could see yourself. You look so stupid. Speaking to your body. Who speaks to bodies? Jesus spoke to a tree. Who speaks to trees? We speak to stuff all the time. If your car doesn't work, you stupid thing. The lawnmower, you pull it 500 times, man, and I've done that. I go, you ignorant thing. What you, you're speaking to it. And it hears you. Trees hear you. Fevers hear you. Pain hears you. What are you saying? Oh, my bad knee. Your knees hear you. Oh, my bad back. It's hearing you. And every part of your DNA will make sure it fulfills what you believe. Every part of your DNA. All right. You ready to start the service now? John 16.33 is our scripture. This is the Amplified Version. This is so good. This has been one of my favorite scriptures for years. This is what it says. I have told, this is Jesus speaking right before he is going to depart. This is one of the last things, not the last things, but one of the last things. I've told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world, you're going to have tribulation, trials, distress, and frustration. Can everybody say amen to that? You're going to have uh, trials, tribulation, frustration. But be of good cheer. You're going to have all hell break loose in your life. But cheer up. Isn't that a funny thing to say? Hey, your life's going to be, you're going to feel like you got pulled through a knot hole backwards. But cheer up. Take courage. Don't only just cheer up and get happy, but take courage. And also, make sure you're confident, make sure you're certain, and undaunted. How can I be all of that, God? For this is why. For I have overcome the world. He's overcome sickness. He's overcome sin. He's overcome pain. He's overcome every frustration and tribulation that you could ever go through. He's overcome it all. And he said, I have deprived it of power to harm you, and I've conquered it. For you. He didn't have to conquer it for himself. He conquered it for you. He conquered it for you. I'm telling you, you have to know that. Somebody give me a quick healing testimony. The last week, the last two weeks, the last month. Paul, Paul, that's his son. <laughs> Dan, he's gone through a lot. And he's alive, man. 
can I just say, he had some cancer issues and some really major health issues. And right in the middle of that, he got COVID. And he lived through all of that. So he's alive. Somebody else. I know it's dangerous to have testimony, but if you start talking too long, I'll just shut you up. Somebody else. Not a testimony, but a healing testimony. You got healed. Praise God. Amen. One more. We can play the Jeopardy music. Nobody's ever been healed. This is why this is called the year of healing. Because this church needs it so badly. I do know this. I was praying early this morning, and I just got a, a redneck Kentuckian audacity come on me. You know what I mean by that? <laughs> if you were from Kentucky, you would know. You are? What part? Paducah. I spent a summer in Paducah. My brother used to work for a uh, finance company when I was a kid, so I would spend the summer with him. Anyway, I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. If you were from the big city, you would know what I'm... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but anyway, it, it's like what one minister said. You swing over hell on a corn stalk and spit in the devil's eye, and, you know, like, I got you. But uh, I just felt like, you know, we need to declare war on the curse of sickness and poverty and everything that's in the curse because Jesus has defeated it for us and we need to quit living like it's not defeated. It is defeated. We just have to be confident, undaunted, and truly know that it's been defeated. Back thousands of years ago, there they certain parts of the country you can read about in history that they would do, they would be two enemies that would come up against each other and they would do a duel and so they would have a single combat. What they would do, they would take the champion of one and get the champion of another and go to some remote area and then those two champions would fight and whoever won, the other army would submit to them. And uh, you can read about certain times that happened in history. <coughs> but um, there's a story in the Bible that that happened. The Philistines were coming against the children of Israel. On one side of the mountain was the Philistines, and on another side of the mountain was the children of Israel, and so the Philistines sent out their champion called Goliath. Theologians say he was about over nine feet tall, just a little bit taller than me. First Samuel 17, David, he's bringing, he's just a kid, young man. He's bringing food from his dad's house. His dad told him to go take uh, food to your your brothers, but uh, man, I just thought his dad was a really generous guy. All of it was a bunch of other stuff, 
cheese and stuff to take to the captain. He was going to help feed the, half the army, it sounded like. So David was doing this, minding his own business. He was, you know, too young to be uh, in the army. And so we'll pick up uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 17. David hears all of what's going on. And he sits there and he goes, I'll go fight him. All of the army of Israel was scared to death, shaking in their boots. And so in verse 38, Saul clothed David with his armor because, you know, he's just a little shepherd boy. Put a bronze helmet on his head, clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to the armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested him. Can you imagine just this little bitty kid, you know? Saul was a big, he was head and shoulders above everybody, the Bible says. So, you know, he had to be going clink, 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 clink. I mean, I could just have a picture of that. It ain't working. So David fastened the sword to the armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested him. David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook. He put them in a shepherd's bag and a pouch, which he had, and the sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. He had no armor whatsoever, just his shepherd's clothes, a staff, in a sling. When the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. At least he knew that he was good-looking. I bet you Goliath was ugly as sin. Can you just imagine? Just a thought. So the Philistine, so he was jealous, obviously, because David was a good-looking kid. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? Because he had his staff in his hand. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. By his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And David said to the Philistine, You come to me, with a sword and a spear, with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. He says, I'm not com- I don't need armor because I'm not coming in my own strength, in my own ability. I'm coming to you in the name of my God. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. It just went to PG-13. It's going to cut his head off, man. Is there any little kid in here? You may send him down real quick. He says, I'm going to take your head off from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. He says, not only are we going, am I going to take your head off, but the whole army of the Philistines are going to be fed to the birds, and everybody is going to know one thing. Not that David is a mighty warrior, but he says the world's going to know one thing. What is that? That there is a God in Israel. That's the main point of the story. I know we've been taught about David and Goliath, but the main point of the story is that this 
defeat was going to cause the known world at that time that there is a God. And it's the true God, the one that the Israelis serve. Then all the assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword or spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. Verse 48, so it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to David that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet Goliath. He was running, running to Goliath. And I believe he was running while he was spitting out this stuff. One minister, he says this, never run to your giant with your mouth closed. Make sure you are saying something to your giant. Make sure you're saying something to your mountain. Make sure you're saying something to your giant. Then David, verse 49, put his hand in his bag and he took out a stone and he slung it and he struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. Now, listen. If you study this, Goliath had an armor bearer in front of him. So, in other words, there was a guy holding a shield that went from Goliath's neck all the way down to the ground. So, he was totally protected. He had a helmet on. And the helmet would help protect his face and everything. And so, there would just be a small opening in his forehead for a stone to get through. Have you ever, when I was younger, I, I uh, not that I'm old now. <laughs> when I was younger, I made myself a slingshot. I'm not a slingshot, a sling with, uh, you know, with a little pouch in it and swing it and try to hit something. I went out in the field. Thank God it was a field. I would have broke every glass in our neighborhood. <laughs> have you ever done that? You just fling it and you just think, I'm going to be like David. Nothing even close, man. Fling, whoa, it would go over there. Fling, it would go over there. And so I, I gave it up real quick. Now, I believe that David practiced that and did that. But I do not believe that he was good enough to hit an opening in Goliath's armor. I believe that it was... The Holy Ghost anointing and an angel grabbing hold of that and guiding that. You talk about guided missiles, the military thought they came up with that. God had a guided missile, man, and went and guided that thing right in the forehead of Goliath. Nine feet of huge armor and massive man hit the earth. And David prevailed. Over the Philistine, verse 50, with a sling, with a stone, struck the Philistine, and he killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore, David ran, and he stood over the Philistine, took his sword, and drew it out of its sheath, and he killed him, and he cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Now, the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted, and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley into the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell along the road to Sherim, even as far as Gath and Ekron. 
Then the children of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines, and they plundered their tents. They all got wealthy that day because of this great defeat. Listen, before David did this, he heard that there was a blessing for the man who defeated Goliath. Matter of fact, he, he got told that two or three times. What, what does the guy get? Well, first of all, he gets tax, no taxes. Majority of American people would sign up for that. <laughs> you don't have to pay taxes. No, matter, I mean, no more taxes. And you get the king's daughter. Not a bad deal for a young man who's never dated or anything, I'm sure. He's just been around smelly sheep. But he got all this, and he said it's not only for him, but it's for his whole family. His whole family gets blessed. I pictured this this week. That's a picture of the church. David is a picture of Jesus. Because of David's defeat, the whole Israelite army got blessed and got the spoils because of his defeat. It's the same with you and me today. We face giants that are too big for us. And we do get in fear when something's bigger than us. All of us, at one time or another, we've been fearful of something, including me. We've all been fearful of something, whether it's a sickness or pain or financial situation or relationship. You, you name it, we've all had our knees knocking, and we were the picture of the children of Israel. But this is what I was praying, and the Lord said, we as believers need to see Jesus as our champion, that he has defeated sin. He has defeated sickness. He has defeated poverty and life. He has defeated all of that. And once you see that, then you become like the children of Israel after the defeat. How, how did they respond after the, 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 the great defeat? Man, they got all confident and probably a little cocky then, you know. And they ran after the Philistine army and defeated them, wiped them out. They kept running from town to town to town, and they kept chasing them until they were all dead. And I guarantee you, when people, they were running through the towns, people were the citizens and going, hey, what's, what, what's going on? And so people were running. You know what they probably said? There is a God in Israel. <laughs> because we knew a little boy, shepherd boy, can't kill a nine-foot massive army guy. He said, there is a God. And so all of the children of Israel got confident, and became victorious because of the champion David. This is what God wants you and I to know. You and I need to see what Jesus has conquered for you and me. You have to see it. You have to see it in your spirit. You have to see it so much that you know that you know that you know. So it, that it causes fear not to be. There is no fear in the children of Israel after the defeat. 
They were scared to death. Literally, Saul, even the king, he, everybody was in fear. Nobody was going to go, if he's, if he, he, he's coming out again. And he's talking. Listen to him. Oh, I can't bear to listen to him talk. That's what the devil does to you and me. He keeps talking to us, and he keeps talking to us, and he keeps shouting out these, you know, audacious, braggatocious, any other word I can't think of. He's just bragging. I'm going to do this to you. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this. David goes, I'm taking your head off. You can talk all you want, but after today, the talking will cease. The talking will cease because I'm not coming against you in my flesh. I'm not coming against you in my blood. I'm not coming you in my own strength. I'm coming against you in the name of the Lord my God. There is a power that the church has not even touched the surface of that is available. That power is available inside of you and me today. It's not only available, it's alive and well. It is alive and well. But we don't have the boldness or the the sense of revelation to see what has been defeated. Sin has been defeated. There's no sin. You say, well, I still sin. It's defeated sin. Every sin you and I commit is defeated, and it's under the blood of Jesus. It has no power or even voice over you and me. That's why the Bible says you are the righteousness of God. You are righteous before him. But how do you see it? How do you see David not only defeated it for the children of Israel, it was for the whole world. Did you know Jesus died for the whole world? But the children of Israel are the ones who are getting the benefit of it because they know what happened. As the church, we know what happened. We do know what happened, that Jesus died for us, that by his stripes we are healed, that the poverty has been defeated. You look up, we don't have time, I was going to have you all look up Deuteronomy chapter 28. The first 10 or 12 verses, it says that you'll be blessed in the field. You'll be blessed in your barns. You'll be blessed in your storehouses. You'll be blessed in your body. Your family will be blessed. You'll be blessed coming in. You'll be blessed going out. You'll be blessed in the city. You'll be blessed in the country. You'll be blessed. But there was a stipulation on there. You have to obey all the commands. You have to do everything right. You have to be perfect. If you do good, you get good. If you do bad, you're going to get bad. And then it lists, you know, the first, it's, I think there's like 66 verses in that chapter. Don't quote me on it, but there's a lot. The rest of this chapter is about you'll be cursed. You'll be cursed with hemorrhoids. You'll be cursed in your skin. You'll be cursed in, and it just starts naming body parts and diseases. You think, dear Lord, you'll get the botch of Egypt, whatever that is. I don't want it. I don't even like mosquito bites, much less the botch of Egypt. If you, the God's going to, you know, you're going to get cursed with a botch of Egypt. I mean, 
And it just lists curse after curse after curse after curse. Your barns will be cursed. In other words, your checkbook will be cursed. Your savings account will be cursed. Your 401k will be cursed. Everything part of your life will be cursed. You'll be cursed in the city. You'll be cursed in the, in the fields. You'll be cursed in every part of your life. And there's not been a lot of difference between the church and the world when it comes to that. You'll be cursed in your relationships. You'll be cursed. You'll be cursed. You'll be cursed in everything about you. And the biggest part is because we have not seen the defeat that Jesus gave us, number one. Number two, we still believe that for me to do or get good, I have to be good. We still believe that. You say, that's what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 28. That's exactly right. But this is why I was talking about you have to read the Old Testament with Jesus' glasses. <clears throat> because this is the way you should read it. I should pull it up. Somebody pull up. I'll pull it up. Let me pull up Deuteronomy chapter 28. Somebody want to play the Jeopardy music while I'm... I was kidding. <clears throat> All right. It says in verse 1, Now it shall come to pass, because Jesus diligently obeyed the voice of the Lord his God, and he observed carefully all his commands which he commanded, that the Lord God has set me on high above all the nations of the earth. Did you hear how I read that? <clears throat> now it shall come to pass, because Jesus diligently obeyed the voice of the Lord his God, to observe carefully all his commandments. You and I cannot keep all of his commandments. Why would God say all of these blessings are yours, but you got to make sure you keep all the, bless all of the commandments? He says, I know you can't do it, so I'm going to send my only begotten son, and he shall fulfill the covenant, and that covenant now will just be between him and me, and now if you accept him, the covenant now is between us because of what he did. So Jesus fulfilled the covenant of God, and he said, it is finished. What is finished? I've kept all of his commands, and now the blessings of God are yes and amen to you and me. Why? Because he defeated Goliath for us. The Goliath was too big for us. Sickness is too big for us. Poverty is too big for us. Sin is too big for us. We couldn't conquer it at all. We didn't have a chance, and yet the church people are still trying to do it. We cannot defeat sin. We cannot defeat sickness. Thank God for his mercy. He gives us doctors to try to help people through it. But all in all, we are still submissive to all of that. If you believe that it's just whatever happens, happens. But if you truly believe in your heart of hearts that Jesus defeated sin, he defeated things bigger than us. God is always in the business of defeating things bigger than us. And that's the simple story of David and Goliath. It's somebody little who should not have been able to defeat the giant. 
if you're not careful, it's just the Sunday school story. But the reality of it is this. Jesus was our David. Sin was our Goliath. Sickness was our Goliath. Poverty and lack was our Goliath. Bad relationships, just insecurities, weaknesses, and faults. Condemnation. Guilt. That is a huge giant. I can't do anything about it. You're absolutely right. You can't. But if you understand who you are and what Jesus defeated, the Bible says that he became shame who knew no shame. He was shamed on the cross who knew no shame. Why did he do that? So you and I don't have, he, he, he put the stone right in Shane's forehead and said, you have no dominion now over my family. Guilt, condemnation. I'm telling you, I've str- I, you know, I, I can tell this, the devil has just been really just trying to stick it to me these first few weeks of the year and I'm and about healing and stuff like that coming against me. And I thought, I'm on to something. I tell you what, and then you get, you know, the devil trying to just, you know, you're the pastor of the church. You, you, why are you getting sick, and why is this happening to you? I mean, if you are so victorious, and I went down that road for a while. You know, the bad thing about going down the road, it won't get you to the right destination. <laughs> you can go as fast as you want, but you're still going in the wrong direction. You have to get off that road, and you go, you know what? I'm not going to accept condemnation. I'm not going to accept guilt. Because if the devil can keep you, you know how many times I've said this in this church? And I still battle it, so I'm pretty sure you are too. The devil knows this, ladies and gentlemen, that if you feel guilty, condemned, he knows that it will be almost impossible for you to receive from God. It's not that God's withholding. We think God's withholding. No, it's, it's like right here. And you go, oh, I just, I'm not worthy. I can't do it. I'm just not worthy. I've just been, did you see what I did this week? Did you see what I did this month? Did you see what I've done with my whole life? I mean, did you see? Did you see? And God's saying, uh, I don't see that. My blood has declared you righteous, and you are seated next to me in heavenly places. That's what I see. And if you want to see that, you better take that cloak off of guilt and condemnation. Take off that jacket that the devil's put on you and wrapped you around it. Take it off because underneath it all is a robe of righteousness. And if you want to receive from God, that has to be in your foundation. That has to be there. Are you hearing me? All right. My time's up. Let me just say one other thing about the Israelites saw after David defeated. They saw something, and it caused them to get courage, confidence, and be undaunted. God wants you to see this today. And this is why Paul Listen to me. Paul didn't say, God, give the church more power. Give us more power. What did he pray? Lord, I pray that the eyes of their understanding would be open that they may see. 
the greatest thing for you and I is to see what Jesus has done for us. Because when you see what he has done for us, there will be a confidence. There will be just an undauntedness inside of you that rises up and go, I'm not going to let this sin get me down. I'm not going to let this sickness stay on my body. I'm not going to let this lack grab hold of me. I have been provided for. Wealth is inside of me. Healing is inside of me. Righteousness. I'm wall-to-wall righteous. Sin has no dominion on me. You have to see it in Jesus' name. So, you pray that. Pray that. Amen? Okay. I can go on and on and on. I'll say one more scripture. Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. God wants to use you this year. Listen to me. He wants to use you this year to lay hands on the sick. To speak things to people's lives. Why? Not because you're some great minister or prophet. Because you're part of his family. And he wants to use you to help set the captives free. I don't know everybody you do. I mean, if you call me and say, Pastor Mike, can you come to my work? There's some people here that just really need you. I'm going to go, no. Jesus said he did that for one thing and ability that he did that. He said, for God was with him. Who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. God, the same God that was with Jesus is the same God with you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in you. You have to see it, though. And I guarantee you, you'll lay hands on some people, and it won't happen. Nothing will happen. You go, well, that's encouraging. Because it's happened to me. What do I do? I lay my hands on the next one. And the next one. And the next one. And the next one. Listen. Mark chapter 6, Jesus went to his hometown. And he didn't get hardly any results whatsoever. Jesus. Didn't discourage him. You know what he did? The Bible says he went into their synagogues and he taught them. He started teaching them what? To have faith on the inside of them to rise up. Because if you have faith, no matter what, you can get healed. You can get delivered and you get set free. So he started teaching. They didn't believe in anything in him. So he started teaching them so they could receive. That's the mercy of God. The point is, even in his hometown, he says, I still want to see these people healed, saved, delivered, and set free. So he started teaching. The point is this. Don't get discouraged because... You lay your hands on 50 people and all 50 of them. I remember the first time I did this, I was 19 years old, home on leave, and I heard this preacher preach like I'm preaching today about the goodness and the power of God. So there was a guy, elderly man. He must have been his late 80s. He was dying of cancer in the hospital. I found out his room, went to his room. I remember, 19 years old, man, I didn't know squat. I know a little squat today, but I'm still. I grabbed him by the hands. I prayed. I prayed for God to heal him. 
I didn't know. I think he died the next day. I was discouraged. I tell you, since then, it wasn't too long after that, I went. I was home on leave again. My mom got a phone call. Co-workers was in the hospital. <clears throat> she said, Mike, why don't you go and pray for me? So I did. <clears throat> There's two beds in the hospital room. So I prayed for that woman. Woman in another bed. She said, sir, they said that I've got cancer. They ran some tests and said, I got cancer. Would you come and pray for me? Sure. <clears throat> so I prayed for her. Didn't think nothing of it next day or whatever. My mom gets a phone call from that woman that, was in, <clears throat> that her friend <clears throat> was in the hospital. She says, I'm calling you. Tell Mike that that woman who had cancer, the doctor said she doesn't have cancer anymore. point is this don't let circumstances and failures cause you to be a failure just keep believing just keep speaking just know it's not up to me to get the results we'll say that again it's not up to you you and I think oh I have to get results they have to get no 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 it's not my job not my job not my job. Not my job. My job is just to do it and be obedient to what God says to do. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. It's up to them, between them and God. I'm just going to do what I, God told me to do. Then let the chips fall where they may. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep laying hands on the sick. I'm going to keep speaking to the tree. I'm going to keep speaking to that tree. I'm going to keep speaking to that tree. And it still looks like it's alive. I'm just going to keep speaking to that tree. speak the word we're going to believe God and know that our champion has defeated that thing I said that our champion has defeated that thing our champion Jesus has defeated that thing believe that let's stand hallelujah praise God praise God praise God we're going to receive our offering ah ways to give Text that any amount to 84321. You can give on our website, rmfchurch.org. Click on give. You can make a check out to RMFC. You can put, there's two offering receptacles back there. I said this last week, and it's not to pressure anybody, but I'll say it again since there's a lot more people here today than there was last week. This year we are, every month we give, uh, we give to several ministries, by the way. Uh, the Pregnancy Center here as well, locally. But the, to the Hagemeyers is our biggest uh, people that we support. We support them $540 a month for the last, I don't know how many years. We haven't increased it. So I was praying in December, and I just thought, you know what? We're going to increase that this year. So we're going to increase it to $750 a month. We're going to give them, because you know what? We're going to help build that uh, University, we're going to help them do that, get that done. So we're increasing that. And uh, like I said, some of y'all don't know, Jared, we hired him part-time at the church here. 
So we have extra expenses. And so I'm just asking, if you don't give to the church, I don't know anybody's giving record. You can ask Christina, my secretary. I don't look at the records. I don't, I don't touch the money at all. I don't know who gives and who doesn't. That way nobody can say, oh, you just like them because they give. No, I just love everybody. So I don't, I don't care about that. But I'm just saying, if you don't give, consider giving. It'll help us. We can do more. We can give more. We can be a blessing. I didn't figure it up. I'll try to have that figure. But we gave thousands of dollars to needy people in need, help pay this and pay for that. I don't know how many. What was the figure? I threw it out there a couple weeks ago, a month ago. Anybody remember? That was really a monumental moment, I can tell. Anyway, it was thousands of dollars that we give to people. And so your giving helps do all of that. Plus, your giving helps keep the lights on. So we can, we're still paying on this building. I think we owe my bankers back there, what, 120000 give or take? We owe about 120000 on the building. We're going to get that paid off. And then we'll be able to give a lot more, hire more people, do more things. Amen. Be a bigger blessing. Anyway, I said all that not to put pressure on you to give. Because if you ever feel like I'm trying to twist your arm, don't you ever give. If anybody from this pulpit tries to twist your arm or manipulate you to give, please keep your money in your pocket. You may not hear that from too many people, but I'm saying please don't give. Give with a cheerful heart. Give because I want to give. I give because I want to give. Not because I'm the pastor of the church. I give, by the way, to this church. Because this is where I get fed. The Bible says you should give where you get fed. I get fed here. My sermons <laughs> feed me. So if you get fed here, consider that. Amen. Oh, let's say this scripture. You ready? Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. Let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who takes pleasure in the prosperity of you. God takes pleasure in your prosperity. Amen. Amen.